This meeting is being recorded. Welcome to episode number 45 of the Grassroots Sky podcast with me, your host, Harry Purdy. Today, I am joined by a very good friend, which is always a nice touch to a podcast. He's a great footballer. He is silky as fuck on the football pitch. We'll put it that way. Mr. Will Lane. How you doing, mate? Oh, much better for that introduction, I tell you, mate. I um, feel good. Feels good to be here. Thanks for having me on. No, you're welcome, mate. We spoke about it a while back. Um, how are you so silky, mate? Let's start with that. <laughs> um, I don't know, mate. It, I really don't know. Um, I play, play a fair amount of five-a-side football. I think that helps. You know what I mean? Close contact games. Yeah. Um, I think that helps, but... I was a right back when I was younger, so God knows where where I got all this from. I mean, you don't see Gary Neville <laughs> that silky on the ball, do you? So you got um, a mean drop on yeah, the shoulder, know, really. <laughs> so, and then the next question. Now, not a question, really. Just like straight into the football chat, because you're so nimble-footed, leaves you well open to getting kicked, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, being kicked a fair amount. Again, not really when I was at right back, but um, yeah, been kicked, been kicked to pieces a fair few times, few injuries here and there. Um, but yeah, I guess you just kind of get onto it, and 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 when you play at a standard of football, that's you're going to get kicked to pieces. You kind of expect it, don't you, really? So um, yeah, it, it is what it is, really. I guess, mate. It's just one of those things that you kind of got to be prepared for when you play football at a certain level. Yeah, sure. We. Uh... Would would it be a fair analogy or fair comparison to call you the Yeovil League's Jack Wiltshire? Yes, Daniel Sturridge was called. I saw him <laughs> Daniel Sturridge the other day, actually. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Jack Wiltshire, Daniel Sturridge, probably not too far off with that. To be fair. Sweet mate, look, I'm only I'm only joking. Um, you're 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 a bloody good player, but you've been through your injuries of recent times, that's for sure. But we'll come on to that later on in this episode. So, mate, how are you? First and foremost, it's been a little while. Yeah, it has been a while, hasn't it? It's been um, it's been quite a while since we caught up, but I'm good. I'm really looking forward to this, just um, catching up as mates and having a talk about football. Um, you know it, mate. So yeah, it'll be really good to catch up. So uh, you are looking yeah, forward to your grassroots experience then? I am, I am. I've been yeah. waiting to get on. I wondered when I was going to get the call up, to be fair. I thought it was never going to happen. So, <laughs> so to be is good and I'm happy to be here. I had to get over the fact that you played for Ilchi for a few games and then left us out in the wilderness so I've been my heart's been repairing itself for a few weeks before I could invite you on mate that's what's happened (laughs) so Will first memories of sport in general when were they and what do you remember vividly about it yeah I think um of course good question um when I was younger, I remember vividly having a um, a video of, and it was a video of the Man United treble season, 99. Yeah. Um, and I remember it was a game by game with all the goals on, and it would kind of just give you a bit of, bit of an idea as to what happened that season and how good they were. So um, funnily enough, I want that into football at the time. I don't think really, I, I was only really just starting to get into it, but um yeah, I'd say that was my first memory that treble season and watching that video growing up. Like I, I, I always used to really look forward to getting to bed to know that I could stick that video on and watch it. Um, something really enjoyable about watching that. That's um, intriguing, mate, because you're like obviously your first memories were related to United and that famous treble, but you don't even support them now. No, I don't. I don't. I don't know whether that was my dad trying to get me to support United or my dad trying to give me something to occupy myself so I wasn't being an annoying little child or anything like that, potentially. <laughs> but um, yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? Um, maybe I watched it that much that I was put off. Yeah, it was uh, like in comparison, obviously being a Chelsea fan, dad had the 92-93 video cassette of Chelsea's season review. And it was almost a bit Spursy, mate, because we got to a final and lost. That was literally, <laughs> that was literally the video. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you could make a uh, quite a, a long video or documentary on Tottenham getting to a certain point and then just falling away, couldn't you? So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, not ideal. I mean, we have got a, a live audience tonight as well, and he is a Tottenham fan, and you're a Tottenham fan as well, so we won't go into that conversation too much. But 
football right. was obviously your first love. Um, in regards to like the influences you had and in around you, like obviously your dad clearly was pointing you in the direction of sports and Man United and football. But when did it kind of click with you that, yeah, I, I like this game? Yeah, I think, so my first memories of playing football were, I had a neighbour where I used to live. I think his name was Matthew. And I, I reckon I must have been about eight, seven, eight. And um, I just started playing football with him. I didn't really didn't really know what it was or that it would have that much of an influence on my life or anything like that. And I'd love it as much as I do. But I just, I remember being out on the kind of area that we had outside of our house and he'd just kick a ball and I'd kick it back to him. And, and I just, I really enjoyed it. So I think, you know, I'd, I'd probably say my neighbor, I think his name is Matthew. It's really bad. I can't remember his name, but I'd say he was a real big influence on me getting into sport and football. And then my dad, once I'd kind of got the, um, bug for it he he liked to come to watch me play he loved egging me on he always wanted me to do really well so it's it's weird that that's how it happened but um yeah I'd say it was my neighbor really that gave me the first taste of of, of sport really and wanting to play it um whether it would have been football or whatever it would have been yeah nice and then in regards to like school and um college and Millfield was there any which obviously we'll come on to as well in a bit was there any other sports that you had any interest in or tried your hand at um, I love, I mean, I love football, but I love sport, like quiz, anything, you know, like you do a quiz and a sport round comes up, your ears always pop up for a yeah, sport yeah. round, don't you? Because you, you love sport. So I'd say I, I like a lot of sports, to be fair. I've watched the Ashes recently. I've been watching the T20s that are going over, going on in West Indies. Um, rugby, I like watching rugby. Obviously, I've not got the frame for it to be able to have ever played it. Um, but there aren't many sports really that I wouldn't watch. Um, and I enjoy watching them all. Now, whether it comes to playing them, I'd like to think I'm okay at a few things. I used to be an all right long distance runner. Yeah. Um, but I never really thought of anything other than football, really. And I kind of wish I did. And I'm doing more of that now, which I suppose is, um, which is quite good. Maybe that's come from the Jack Wilshire and the Daniel Sturridge label. <laughs> stuff yeah. But, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, it's been good. It's been good. And you do, I'd you like do to shite play. me. Sorry, mate. You do shite me as one of those annoying lads that's just a little bit good at everything. You know what I mean? Pool. Yeah. Tennis. Yeah. I'm okay. We've played pool a few times, haven't we? It's normally quite close between us. Yeah. It's like, uh, um, I'd describe it like the um, Steve Davis finals back in the day. You're obviously Steve Davis <laughs> and I lose. <laughs> <laughs> no but I do enjoy it I enjoy playing a lot of sports um I'm okay at a few of them but some of them you I'd be rubbish at I've been rubbish at them really yeah I mean um in and sorry mate and then in regards to your first memories of like match day football youth football when did it start yeah um I always remember, you, you know, the, the smaller pitches that you play on when yeah, it is yeah. kind of like a five-a-side and the goals are huge compared to what kind of you, you, your size in comparison to them. So I remember playing on them. I think I was at East Coker at the time. Um, and I, I remember that quite well. But my, my main memories are going on to your full size, you know, when you take the step up from the smaller pitches to the bigger pitches and you think, wow, this is huge. How am I going to going to run around for however long it was back in the day that you had to do that. So, yeah, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say my first memories were about nine, ten. I started playing for a team. Um, Cal Gundry, who I know, has been on the podcast oh, yeah? about East Coast before. Um, yeah, we had quite a good side back then. So, um, yeah, it's kind of saying then around then. And then typical Will Lane, like modest as anything. You got to a High Holborn Cup final which obviously Callum referred to in his podcast episode as well. And you, you won it and you got man of the match. So tell us about that. And like, I, I imagine your first experience of playing on a really nice, well, I say nice, playing, playing at a stadium. Yeah. I mean, when, when, so I'm, I'm Yeovil born and bred and I've always, that have always lived there, went to watch them when I was younger quite a lot. So when you're, uh, 10 11 12 and you're getting the opportunity to play on 
on Yeovil's pitch up at Hewish Park. It's a big deal, you know. You you really you really get excited for it. And do you know what? I probably get excited now at twenty eight. I probably yeah, get oh, excited yeah. on it. So, um, yeah. Do you know what? It was amazing. Um, it was so good. It was so fun. Uh, like Callum, I was part of the team that played there a year up. I think when we were eleven, and then got to play there again on the twelve uh, when you were twelve. Wow. Um, we. We won it both times, but the man of the match one was, I didn't even deserve it. I've watched the video back a few times when I've been a bit older and I was shocking. If I think about if I could play football like that now, <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, it wasn't good, but the experience was amazing. I remember Andy Lindegaard. Remember Andy Lindegaard? Yeah, the yeah. Right yeah, back. yeah, yeah. Um, he, he gave me the ball, actually. Maybe it's because he was a right back and I was a right back that he had some kind of... Um, he had a soft spot for me because he because uh, that's where he played or or not but yeah it, you know it's one of those things that um that I'll always have that I played at Yeovil when I was a youngster and really enjoyed it I managed to get man of the match as I said I didn't deserve it but I'll take it what sort of right back would you have described yourself as then I mean I couldn't kick the ball very far to save my life I'll tell you that and I still can't now really <laughs> but I'd like to get forward and maybe that's where the silkiness that you kind of suggested comes from now. And I'd wanted to get forward rather than defend. So um, it was all right in the air, but I'd like to think I was an attacking right back rather than a, um, a holding my position right back. Yeah, nice. So then moving the timeline on, obviously successful youth youth football you're like you've already mentioned your dad was a a keen fan of yours and obviously wanted to push you to the next level so he as as anybody I suppose that um wants their child to kick on to the next level because I'm not sure obviously back in the day what the position was in regards to youth young youth football at Yeovil was so he took you out to Millfield Tuesdays and Thursday nights tell us a little bit about that and what you got from that yeah, so I remember there was, it was called Millfield Elite, which makes it sound a, a much bigger deal than it was. I wasn't elite, I was all right at football, but my dad wanted me to pursue it and, and see whether it could go anywhere. So um went to this thing called Millfield Elite on a Tuesday and Thursday, and there was a coach called Tomo, and he was great. He was really good. He was the sort of coach that would stop play. So while you're playing, it's annoying but he would stop play to kind of give you ideas as to what you should be doing, your positioning or who you might or should be marking. So um, it was really good. It kind of gave you a little bit more of an idea into what it would have been like for footballers now, really, in terms of how training works for them. So I think I would have been about 12 at the time. Um, so to kind of get the view of, of that's how that looks was, was pretty cool, actually, in hindsight. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was it was good. It was a good opportunity to go out there, play football with some people that I didn't know. Um, it, it was good fun. It was good fun, actually. Um, and there were some good people there, some good players. And there was a few people that went on to kind of study at Millfield and got a scholarship there that had come from that. So not too sure how my dad found out about it or, or anything like that, but I'm certainly thankful that he did. You mentioned playing with people you don't know, and I think that's like a key element to anybody's progression, like especially as a, a young player, like taking you out of your comfort zone. Do you think, or do you remember being taken out of that comfort zone and it improving you, or were you a little bit sort of in your shell at that point? I think I was in my shell and it's daunting, right? So going when you're 10, 11, 12 and you're going to play football with some new people, you're a kid, it's daunting. So, um, but it certainly helps. It certainly helps if you want to um, go on and play football and go join new teams and do things like that because you have that experience from when you're a bit younger. So um, whether you're in your shell or not, if you enjoy football and it's something that you want to do, you're kind of uh, in that environment that you you have to get on with it really and you just start playing football and what what kind of happens is that you forget about they're just new people or, or in a different environment you just get on with it I think as well like um as a youngster you tend to maybe if you went like now as as an experience because you've got more of a adult brain you'd probably worry about it more but the fact that a ball comes out 
and then obviously your coach starts telling you to chase chase after it and play football the initial worry of the situation or the initial being taken out of your shell of the situation just disappears quite quickly yeah i think you're more aware now aren't you like as an adult you're just more aware of these things and more conscious whereas back then it's someone passes you a ball and you're playing football you you hmm. don't really think about it do you whereas now um when you get a bit older you you kind of think about things like that a bit more was that um when you went to millfield for that like elite coaching was that when your position started to shift a little bit? No, honestly, I, I reckon I was a right back until even at school I played right back. I don't I don't know where it came from, but I think it was a I I didn't really in, enjoy being a right back. Do you know, what I mean, I always remember a, qu- a quote from um, Jamie Carragher or Gary Neville, and it's like you only play right back if you're a failed centre back or something like that, and you <laughs> can't make it elsewhere. And I enjoy playing right back. Um, but I liked being on the ball. I think it came back to me as a as a right back, and what I liked to do was to get forward. So to move that to somewhere else further up the pitch was the ideal. There's um in like pro football, if you listen to a lot of the stories of like professionals and stuff, when you watch them, obviously on the TV and that, let's use John Terry for an example. John Terry started as a striker, played reserve football for Chelsea as a centre midfielder then ended up as a centre-back. And you can compare that to so many players. Like, I mean, off the top of my head, I can't think of any right now. But I think Ashley Cole was a striker as well. And you've only got a, um, the team that John Terry was in, actually, like youth team. They're, honestly, it was ridiculous. It was like Bobby Zamora, um, like loads of other Premier League players. And he was in a youth team with them playing against like other... And they'd win like 20-odd nil. If you listen to the team that he speaks about on Marlon Harewoods and Carlton Cole's podcast... Hardly any of them play in the positions that they actually went into pro football with. It's mad. Yeah. I mean, I think Edison's an example, but he went the complete opposite way. I think he was a centre mid or something. And then he ended up in goal for Benfica or somewhere along the line. So now he's probably the best keeper in the Prem, isn't he? If not. So I guess it's like, just don't stick yourself to a position really. And yeah, be, flexible. be a bit flexible as to where you can play. Um and it helps when it comes to getting like picked and stuff like that, I guess, doesn't it, really, from a younger sure. age anyway, if you're willing to kind of play anywhere. You look at, like, James Milner, for example. Yeah. Play anywhere. Oh, anywhere. Yeah. And gives him more of a chance to get a game, doesn't it? And it's probably a manager's dream, right? In, in Because he will. So, um, yeah, good example, James Milner. Good example. I'm going to throw this question out there now before we move on to the Millfield combo. How does Will Lane describe himself as a footballer now he's grown up? Um, good question. Uh, I'd like to think I'm all right on the ball. I try to be a ball-playing footballer rather than someone that um, is a bit more hit and hope, kick it up to the front man, the big target man sort of thing. Um Silky, yes, I'll take that from you. Um, you know, I don't like talking about myself, first, so you put me on the spot. Here. Yeah, no, it's good though, mate. We'll let you do it, we'll let you roll with it. Um, or who would you compare yourself to then? Like, without take the injuries away, no Jack Wiltshire's, no Daniel Sturridge's. If you was to make a comparison to yourself on the pitch, who would it be? If I could play football like anyone. I've said this a few times. It'd probably be someone like James Madison. I love the way in which he gets on the ball. He's got great vision to be able to find people. Yeah. I think he's a good footballer. And whether that's because he's an English footballer as well, which helps. Um, but someone like that, potentially, I think I'd quite like to be like. Um, I'd say that's his game's kind of relatively similar to mine. Obviously, I'm absolutely nowhere near to being able to do anything that James Madison <laughs> can do. But... Um, yeah, I'd probably try and liken my game to his if I could anyone's. So what you're saying is that Fraser's playing a number 10 at centre-back. <laughs> yeah, he has, but I think that comes down to the injuries. You don't yeah. see many many centre-halves getting that many injuries that I've probably picked up over the years. So my thinking was going back to centre-half, um, I'm, I'm less likely like to pick it up. And I enjoy it because you can't see the whole picture, see the whole yeah, game, yeah. can't you? So um, again, and stick- someone who likes football. He sticks you like next it. to me and Rigby to give you a little bit of protection. Exactly, exactly. You Love can it. protect my weak bones and yeah. uh, all the other elements <laughs> that I've got. All right, mate. So 
yeah, that's a good comparison to be fair, James. I'd, I'd go with that. One of the other things as well that I've obviously we've said, we've said that you're silking. I'd like to describe it to listeners as well in regards to your silkiness. I think it, what it comes down to a lot and, and no matter what the standard of football you play at, it's mainly about finding the space that's available to you on the football pitch. And for me, for an example, five times out of 10, my first touch will go where I want it to in regards to like the space in front of me or even just getting the ball under control. Watching you, no matter whether you played for East Coker, I expect Ian's nodding his head listening along here. If you're under pressure, like East Coker v Montague, Aaron was coming to shut you down or whatever, you'd always seem to have one or two seconds longer on the ball than other players. Do you think that's something that's taught or do you think that's something that's learnt from playing a good standard of football? Um, I think it's a bit of both, really, Purge, you know, to be fair. I think you can be taught it because I think I always just kind of use the mantra of just be confident and calm on the ball, just trusting your ability no matter who you are whether you're really good at football or not really good at football just trust yourself to be able to do a good job with the ball um so yeah I think I think it can be taught but I also think that it comes back to kind of your approach to football really and 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 how you go about it to be fair as to what you're like on the ball your movement and all that sort of stuff yeah nice do you remember ever being taught about spatial awareness and stuff yeah that was that comes back to the millfield elite stuff so um a lot of it was that so the stop starting was kind of oh look you should have been in this position you should have been here and you should have been trying to find space or as a defender you should have been trying to close down the space hold off um or marking this person so that comes back to the point about it being taught and then i guess it's um what you're like and your confidence to to be a footballer and finding that space or finding the right pass or being calm on the ball. So um, it it comes with playing football a fair amount as well. I think you just kind of get into certain situations, don't you, that help you when it kind of comes back around again. Yeah, it's mental, isn't it? Like the standards, because obviously, as people are aware, you didn't make it pro, like unfortunately, um, but played at a good standard and like clearly at that youth level you were taught by a well-educated coach somebody who knew what they were on about first time I ever got taught about spatial awareness was from a guest from this podcast Matt Percival two or three years ago at Ilchester when he started like teaching how to basically like the first time in your life that you've gone from being taught how to receive a pass which is like you think back to school lessons like primary school lessons or um, youth football, the real basic stuff, ball received on your instep, but there's no talk about checking your shoulders. Where do you want that first touch to go? Do you want to use, like, do you want to touch it into space or do you want to try and, like, turn with the ball with that first touch, all that sort of stuff? And honestly, two, three years ago, Matt Percival dropped that into conversation at Ilch. And although it went down like a sack of potatoes because he kept doing it at training, and it's one of those things that, like, you're like, geez, not this drill again. So it's really tough, really tough on the quads. Um, like when you're on your toes, you're receiving the ball, you're checking your shoulders and you're not checking at training. What are you checking your shoulders for? It's just yeah. one of those things. But I, I shit you not, it has stuck with me. And genuinely now, because of that drill, when I play holding midfield, I'm so much more aware of what's around me. Whereas maybe like Montacute days, when I was obviously a bit bigger as well, my first touch was more or less a guess. Like, I all, like always would get the ball under control, but well, I say always, not always, most of the time, get the ball under control. But whether I'd be under pressure on that touch, who knows? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, yeah, you kind of got to know what's going on around you, haven't you, to kind of decide what you're going to do, to be yeah. fair. And it sounds like that drill helped you with that. And I think for some people, you mentioned kind of that drill at training. For some people, you get to a certain age or a way you play football and you kind of just want to play football. You're not necessarily yeah. interested in that, are you, right? Like, you just want to be able to go out on a Saturday, play some football and then go for some beers or something after with, with the guys that you play with. And that's all right for some, but some people want to be able to kind of learn new things, um, 
on the pitch, right, and, and, and become a better player. It just depends on on the kind of stage that people are at with their careers, I guess. Yeah, you know, I suppose, like, for me, just on a personal note, if I could end my footballing career, whether it be 33, 35, however long my hips and back last, and say that I tried my best to be the best player that I could ever be, obviously, I'm never going to be anything. But, you know what I mean? Like, give just give yourself that little bit of time and that extra. But, again, some people, gen- like you say, mate, they just want the... They want to turn up on the Saturday, the goals to be up, and then go back for a few beers at the pub yeah. after. Which, to be fair, I enjoy as well. So, so we will get to Millfield. We'll get there now. You got a scholarship, yeah. mate. How did that come about? So it came from the Millfield Elite thing. So I think it was, I don't know how it worked because I wasn't kind of part of the conversation, but I think it was Tomo kind of put people forward for who he thought could kind of go on and have a scholarship. So. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know whether my dad found out or who found out, but I was put forward for the scholarship at the time. Um, which is quite a big deal, you know, as a as a youngster that kind of has only really played local football or anything like that. To get that opportunity is massive. So, yeah, it was it was pretty cool actually. Um, I did like exams and stuff to get in, um, but I was going there because I thought oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pursue a career in football you know what I mean I look to become a footballer um which was cool it was cool you know at the time it was a really it's a really good school was really fortunate to go there um and I enjoyed my time there I did really enjoy my time at school it's um it's a pretty cool place I like to go behind the the gates really and if you were to describe uh, go for like a sports a sporting day or a footballing day for you at school how does it work at Millfield? So, first of all, it was school six days a week. So you had Saturday school, which wasn't cool. wasn't wasn't good when you're a young when you're a teenager and you haven't to go to school on a Saturday. Um, so they used to do sport three times a week. So a Monday evening, a Wednesday, and a Saturday afternoon. Um, but it, on different terms, you do different sports. So I think the first year and the first term, it was hockey. Never played hockey before, never really wanted to, but you have to. You have to do hockey or rugby. And as I mentioned earlier on, I'm not going to play rugby. Look <laughs> at the size of me. Let, imagine imagine that. So um, played hockey um, and then it was football. And then in the, summer, in the summer term, it was cricket or athletics. And as I said, I liked running, so I kind of went down the athletics route. Um, but... Yeah, the, the expectation was that you'd do it three times a week, which is a pretty big deal. I mean, to be expected to do sport three times a week for Monday after school, Wednesday afternoon, so kind of lunchtime until the end of the day at kind of three, four o'clock and the same on Saturday. That's quite a lot, right? That's that's a lot of sport to be doing. Um, so it is a sporty school, though, to be fair. It's um, rugby cricket athletics swimming it's it's got it all it really has got it all um for a, for so, a school to have an equestrian like center yeah so it says it all, yeah it's it? mad yeah it's mad it really so is mad when you went there then and obviously you went there to pursue this football dream did you get on the pitch like with everybody else and again was it like one of those things where you thought geez i'm a small fish in a massive pond there in the school in general to be honest with you Perds, um it's it's exactly that like i'm just a guy from yeovil and you've got people that are boarding from all over the country and abroad at this school um and some of the people that have gone to the school and gone on to be successful is incredible and i'm quite a quiet guy and i was back then as well didn't really feel like i fit in and to be fair i think on the kind of similarly with football really I thought I was good but you get to the school and you see some of the people that are there or um particularly in the latter years but I mean yeah there's some really good sports people that go to that school it really is one thing I'd always say about you as well like don't take this the wrong way is just the way that you carry yourself with your sport is that something that's like drilled into you as like a I don't know what the description would be, a Millfield Aryan, a Millfield student, the way that you... Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's interesting. I think people might have this perception that you go to, to a private school like Millfield and 
Do you remember the programme Ladette's a Lady and they kind of have like, all these elocution stuff? And so I think people have got some idea that it's like that, but it's not at all. It's just a school where you've just got better teachers, better facilities, smaller classes. And, it, and that's what it is. Um, so I think it's probably helped shape who I am as a person today, realistically. Um, but who knows? Who knows what what might have happened had I not gone there? Obviously, I've not become a footballer, but um, me as a person, who knows what that might have looked like? Um, but I think it certainly helped me as a person and, and, and where I am today as a result of going there. You um, described Tomo, obviously your first coach with Millfield Elite, as a really good really good football coach. How did the standard then improve when you were taught football at Millfield itself? Yeah, do you know, it's, it's interesting, actually. So I can't, when, when you're in the younger years at the school, you've kind of got some coaches, but they all kind of teach lessons as well. They're teachers that might have been teaching biology, for example, and then they're asked to teach football, or there would have been varying subjects that they were taught along with the sport. So I think there was one coach as well. I think his name was Graham Smith, if I remember rightly. But he was a really good coach, actually. So he was the first year's coach that I would have had when I got there. Um, but it, unless you go to the first team, which is the eldest age of the school, and it's taught um, and coached by someone called Terry Ackhurst, who's um, used to live in South Africa, worked for Ajax Cape Town, and 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 is in his. If you Google him, I think he'd be come up with some results so he and again he was a math teacher so there, there wasn't really anyone dedicated to football all the time um but because of the amount you play I think that helps mm. I think because you're playing three times a week that certainly helps you described to me before actually the Ajax link with Millfield and Millfield was probably the place then where you did transfer position and you t- you tell me about how your coach would basically adopt the sweeper system from Ajax. So tell the listeners about that. Yeah, yeah so it was, you know, it was a good formation, actually. So it was when no one used to play, when everybody used to play two up top, really. And you know what it's like at school football, where everybody kind of plays 4-4-2 or, or something like that, and it's hit up to the big man or, or, or whoever. So you used to play a sweeper, two centre-halves that would kind of mark your two strikers, and then there'd be like a holding midfielder so it was like a diamond in defense and then with your wing backs um so it worked quite well in it and I played sweeper role predominantly so it just meant that I could as it says on the team kind of sweep up behind the two center halves that were marking the two strikers so you know it worked quite well it worked quite well um and that was kind of like a philosophy philosophy throughout each age group see what I mean so as you kind of went up to the age groups that's what they tried to play so that if you were to have progressed into the first team you'd have kind of known the system and the way of playing so think about academies and stuff nowadays Man City Chelsea I'm sure they have their academies playing in a certain way yeah sure um that would kind of mirror the first team and it was a little bit like that really I know for a fact when uh Chelsea played against Yeovil in the St Johnson's paint or whatever it's called now Papa John's trophy, isn't it? Yeah, they played, they yeah, did play yeah. the the two wing back, three at the back system. So I think it just shows that I think City do the same. If you watch City's Academy, they play to play football. Like the passing, the way they keep the ball, it's all very much based on what Pep considers to be the best way to play football. So going back to Millfield, what would you have said was your best memory from the school? And then what didn't you like about the school? Oh, I'll start with what I didn't like because it's easier to focus on the negative, right? So, Always. yeah, um, yeah. I think I didn't. It was it was quite showy, Perds. It was it was quite um, everybody trying to kind of be the biggest person or the most successful person or my parents do this, my parents do that, that kind of feel. Um, I just never really felt like I fit in really. My mum and dad had to work so hard to even get me the opportunity to go there. And then you've got some people that um, 
it's just normal for them to be in yeah. that sort of environment with those sorts of kids. So I'd, I'd probably say that um, for what I didn't like about it. And then my my best memory or my favourite moment. Um, cool. I, I can't think of one. I don't know if that tells you anything negative about it, Perds, but did I you have like one during that moment? Yeah, that's crazy. Did you? Obviously, we don't, it's mad, isn't it? We've been mates for years and like, we've never really gone yeah. into the Milford right. subject, which is nice. Like, this is exclusive for me and the listeners. Did you really struggle to like find the friendship group that you could really link with then and click with? Yeah, yeah, I think so. There was a few of us that went as part of the Millfield Elite. Um, so um, Tom Flynn. Yeah. Tom Flynn went to Millfield. Um, we used to lift share. Um, there was a few of a few other of us. Uh, George Kimber was somebody who plays an OK local standard of football. As far as I'm aware, I haven't spoken to him for God knows how long. Um, there was kind of a group of us that were all in the same position that we'd been to Millfield Elite. We'd gone through the scholarship selection. We managed to get in and we kind of all stayed relatively close. Um, but you're just one of many and the majority of people um, weren't in the boat that I was in. So it's difficult. It's difficult. Almost um, saw the class system like as a yeah, child. Yeah, I, I felt it. Yeah, yeah, I kind of felt it, um, which is interesting. So if I was to have kids and I, I reflect about this around, would I want them to go to that school? I think the opportunities that it presented me in terms of what I was able to do and I mean I could have taken up swimming if I wanted to um it it opened up so many opportunities but at the same time I I think you have to be comfortable in your surroundings to be able to go to that sort of place knowing what everybody else is like yes interesting um like a real nice perspective on it in some in some ways. Like you've you've almost taken from the experience a positive, if you like, then in regards to now. Yeah, now, so. now you know what you would and wouldn't want for your children in the future. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, it, it, you know exactly that. Puts exactly that. Um, I couldn't speak highly enough of the school because it is great. But from a personal perspective, I just, in hindsight. Did I get the most out of it? No. Was it because I didn't feel like I really fit with the school? Probably. Mm. Um, but then when you're a young kid as well, that's that's tough, right? Like if you don't fit in somewhere necessarily, you don't want to be there, right? You kind of want to be back in your oval with your mates where you'd go out and play football on an evening or you'd do whatever. Um, and that was kind of, that suited me much more than being at school with some of the people that were there. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Definitely interesting to know. Um, Injuries hit, mate, when you were at school. Talk yeah. to us about them. I yeah. mean, how, how big's the list? <laughs> oh, God, how long have we got? We, uh, we're nearly up. Um, yeah, I've broken wrists, metatarsals in my feet a couple of times. A um, few muscle things here and there. Um, I've been quite a slender guy. I think that kind of hindered me a little bit in that department. So um not ideal but hey just just the start of Jack Wilshire right I'm sure Jack Wilshire had an injury somewhere that kind of sent him down that spiral and mine probably was the same yeah mate and you haven't exactly had much luck as a adult neither have you with your knees and your lungs recently so if we talk a little bit about the lung situation how's recovery going and what's next so hold on just quickly let people know what you've had um and then yeah, tell us what's next on the horizon for that. Yeah, so I um, I had a collapsed lung. I've had a couple now. Um, they tend to happen in tall, taller, skinnier chaps. Um, so basically just meant that I couldn't breathe properly, so they had to reinflate my lung. Um, first time it happened was really scary, really scary. You, you can't breathe. You don't really know what's going on. Road to recovery is a lot worse. Mentally, it's quite challenging to keep yourself going because you think, oh, I'm a 27-year-old guy that thought I was fit and healthy. And the next thing you know, you're in hospital, having drains fitted to you and that sort of thing. So it's scary. So um, this most recent one, 
same thing happened again um and it can happen at any point from any time i think this one i just sat up on the sofa and just couldn't breathe properly so that's not a good way to get an injury is it if you're sitting up off the sofa um but this time round, having been through it before i felt much better about it um mentally much more stable about it and the recovery has been much better as a result i think so i'm able to do things that i could have done the day before it happened and i could have done the day after if that makes sense so um yeah i'm feeling okay feeling good um i'd like to get back playing football at some point but i need to have an operation um before i can do that yeah i mean that that normally is what i finish on mate um but i've got one more question for you there's a bit of a I mean, obviously, we know the obvious answers to it, but you say you said to me in your notes that you sent through to me that you were never going to be good enough to become pro or even semi-pro at football. Why do you think that was? Um, I think I think I had an okay ability, but not the right ability to to become a pro footballer. I really don't think I did. I think I might have been kidding myself when I was a little bit younger, and maybe that's because you have a dream or something and you kind of think you want to, you're going to get there. Right. Um, so yeah, I think a bit of that and I just wanted to end up playing football for having fun. Really. I, I realized that realized I wasn't going to, to make it as a pro or semi pro or anything like that. So I just wanted to enjoy playing football. So that meant for me not taking it too seriously just playing it at a level that I enjoy, that I could play further forward relatively comfortably. Um, and, you know, just enjoy football, have more of a social of it rather than trying to take it too seriously. Because um, I think you can get caught up if you, if you take things too seriously, whether you're um, a youngster starting out playing football or later on in your career, if you take it too serious, I think you've just got to enjoy it. Um, well, you can, right? Because you said you said yourself about retiring at 33, 35, whatever that looks like. Enjoy it while you can. It's not far, do you know what's scary as well is I remember, yeah, mate, I know you're laughing. I remember playing um, football for the Arrow. No, well, it, yeah, it was the Arrow. Ian sat here as well. And we used to play Sunday morning, 16. And then you'd go into, like genuinely, I played my first games for that team when I was still at school. And you'd go in. And I was the only, because I was 16 before everybody else, I'd go in and everybody would be asking about like how it was to play men's football, etc. And now, 14 years later, te- exactly. like obviously, um, yeah, I don't know when I'll stop playing football. I, I mean, I want to play until I literally can't because you're a long time retired. That's what my uncle says. But it just goes so quick. So, so quick. But I'll never, I'll never say that I've let uh, rested on my laurels with my local footballing career. I've probably done it the wrong way around, managing first, playing second. But there you go. I can't, I can't, I can't, um, I can't regret it because Montacute was amazing. But and and of course, playing for Ilchi now full time, holding midfield, loving every second. And you've enjoyed it, right? That's the main thing yeah, I think. Exactly. Is that you enjoy it, no matter what sport you play. When you get to an age and or any age really you've just got to enjoy what you do and I think that's the most important thing let's uh speak about your senior career then or or men's career Wessex first tell us about that yeah that was um that was interesting so going from a a school environment where everything's quite regimented and you play football three times a week and uh training drills and stuff like that Wessex was great it was it was a baptism of fire as a young guy going in and playing men's football but it was really good fun we had a coach I think it was Jason the guy who used to coach us um but it was really good fun it we weren't the best we really weren't the best I can't remember how we used to do but we had a really quick striker called Cookie used to just score goals for fun um I played in the hole for that team, so in behind the strikers, which was my ideal role. So, yeah, it, you know, really good memories looking back on it and reflecting on it now. Um, made some good friends there, actually. Made some good friends there that um, you'd say hello to now and that sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, good times, good times at Wessex. Nice. And then the the club you spent a, a majority of your uninjured slash injured men's career 
was East Coca. Obviously, when I was manager of Montague and you were up there with their best players, along with Maxi and Joe Mapes, do you, like because they were your mates and it was, I kind of compare, like it's a shame really that we we never merged in some respects, I think like Ilchi and East Coca, but there was a really healthy rivalry there. And I did compare you guys to us in some respects that great crack, great social, but on the day, you boys wanted to win. And would, would that be right? 100% wanted to win. I mean, personally, I want to win at everything I do. So, and as a team, that was the case that like we wanted to win. But like you said, I played football there with some people that I knew and some good friends. So that came back to just wanting to play football to enjoy it, really. Because I wanted to do it to enjoy it, have the social, have the crack, but win at the same time. Mm. Um, and maybe that's the reason why I spent a fair amount of time there, because of exactly that. It was just good fun. We all wanted to win games of football um, and we were competitive as well. Yeah, and we weren't we weren't rubbish and we weren't winning the league. It was it was a good challenge. I've never known um, like Joe Mapletoff, somebody so nice off the pitch, but on the pitch, so fucking in your face, like well up different for it. Animal, like. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, different animal. Yeah, they, good centre half, really good centre half. Would they, but... would you, oh yeah, Christchair. Yeah. Would you say that? East Coca was where your fondest football memories are then, like in your football memory bank? Do you know, I probably would because mm. of the fact that it was with some some close friends. Um, and I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed playing football there. It's good fun. It's good fun. Yeah, nice, mate. And then um, we had a little bit of a break. I know you... I say we had a little break. So it sounds like we were in a relationship. We had a little bit of a break. <laughs> you had a little bit of a break because you because of your knees, um, which we won't go into. But then you you did step back onto the pitch at the start of this season for a real nice spell, really. Um, Ilchi, how did you find it? Are you missing it? Fraser will be listening, so make sure you answer correctly. Yeah, it felt too short-lived. I felt like I'd... I remember the first pre-season game that I did, I haven't played football for, uh, 11 side football for probably five, six years, I don't think. So, um, I tell you, I was like half an hour in, my feet were killing. I remember I your blisters. everywhere. I was so unfit. I was blowing out my ass. Um, so, I, I felt like I'd finally got myself to a point where um, I could play 90 minutes and feel okay, feel fit, not be achy for a week after where whereas I felt like that when I first started um but really enjoyed it again because you and I never really got to play football together did we no it was, it was always so nice against each other and things like that so it was good I wanted to get back playing I felt like I could but again the um got an injury needless to say um and put it back but I want to get back playing at some point because I enjoyed it I really enjoyed it it's a good group of lads out there um so who knows what will happen, but um, I'd like to play again, that's for sure. Amazing, mate. We are um, really, really close to wrapping up your timeline. Um, I always ask this. I know we've half mentioned it, but I think we know where it's going to go. What is next for Will Lane? Um, cool. Uh, I want to get back playing football perds if I can at some point. So coming back out to Wilchester with you. Um, I feel like I never really gave football a good go at senior level or at football or adult level. So I'd quite like to get back and give it a go. Now, what that means, I don't know. But get to a level where I can enjoy it, have a good social and play a good standard of football. So I'd like to give that a go at some point. I don't know what that means, though. Um, and I want to do something new. I want to, I want to get better at golf, or I want to start playing cricket, or do something different. I think, why not? Do you know I mean? know a it's cricket captain. Opportunity to do it. You know what I said. Yeah, you know a cricket captain. <laughs> I, know well, a cricket I don't think captain. I'd be anywhere near it. But trust me, <laughs> honestly, I think I'd be shocking. But um, I remember that. I remember the invite. No, nah, mate, I, do you know what? Like I said earlier, you're one of those people that probably cr- pick up a cricket bat first time in the nets and just smack everything out the middle of the bat. I feel like I'd be really conservative as a batsman. I feel yeah. like I would just be on the defensive all the time and 
um, not hit any runs, but just get out really easily. I Sibley. feel like, yeah, Tom Sibley, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> nice. All right, mate. Well, we're going to swing it over to um, 11 questions to finish. Obviously, your competitive side hopefully will come out now um, and we'll see how quickly you can answer these questions. Obviously, there's been no prep. Um, you're not ex- well. Obviously, you kind of know what you're expecting because you've listened to some of the episodes before. But are you ready to rock and roll, mate? I am a bit nervous, a bit nervous for these eleven questions. But let's give it a go. Come on, Do let's you know see what the, the time to beat? Just so you've got a rough idea, is one minute and eleven seconds, which is actually like real. That's really quick that's to be honest. With you. So yeah. Um, Will, here's your eleven questions to finish. Starting in three, two. One. Will, what is your Tesco Mildew choice? Um, I'd probably go Hoisin Duck Wrap, Monster Munch, and a Coke Zero. Best sport in memory? Uh, probably the man of the match of the high hold one. It's probably my fondest one, for sure. Who is your sporting hero? Um, I'll go David Beckham because of the 99 treble video that I've just got on loop in my head. Favourite pair of football boots? I was a Adidas Predator guy all the way, all the way. What, what is your go-to music choice? I've been listening to a lot of like greatest hits, 80s, 90s music <laughs> at the moment. So I'll go nice. with that. <laughs> Favourite tipple? <laughs> uh, Guinness. Oh, uh, Best leader, captain or coach you've played with or been managed by? I'll probably go with Tomo, actually. Uh, most famous coach. opposition? Um... Tyrone Mings went to Millfield, so probably him in like an intra-game thing. Nice. So, yeah. Advice you'd like to have given yourself at 18? Just don't take yourself too seriously and just enjoy whatever you do. Best players you played with? There was a guy at Millfield called Tom Hurley, and how he didn't make it as a professional footballer, I don't know, because he was unbelievable. Wow. Uh, have you so or do you have any pre-match habits? Um... I don't think so, but I felt like I always played better with tape than when I didn't have tape. Will Lane, your time was one minute 33. Oh, not, wow. Not, not too, not bad, but room for improvement. Maybe when we uh, get you back on, when you've had your lungs fixed, you, <laughs> you, can, you can improve. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was, mate. Maybe that's what yeah. it was. You weren't breathing properly when you were answering the questions. So it slowed you it down a little yeah. bit. <laughs> Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. How have you found your experience? Do you know what? I've genuinely loved it, Perds. It's been really nice to catch up with you and just talk football. Uh, as you said, we've been close mates for a long time, but we've never really spoken like this, have we? Do you know what I mean? No. We've just been talking about what's going on in the football world or in our own lives, not really kind of what's happened to us yeah. before we might have known each other. So I've loved it. I think it's amazing what you do, mate. It's great. Keep it going. Um, and I'll, I'll come back for a, a lung episode or something like that. If you'll have <laughs> the lung special. <laughs> the lung special. Yeah, that sounds good. Unreal, mate. Um, so we'll wrap it up there. Well, it's been a pleasure. Um, for those of you listening, if you want to come and find me on social media, you can find me at The Grassroots Guy on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. If you'd like to go over to Spotify, and Apple Podcasts to drop a five-star review. It does go a long, long way to helping the podcast grow and for me to get even better. Um, You have been listening to the Will Lane episode, episode number 45, and I'm back here with a new episode every week. Will, say cheerio, mate. Cheerio, thank you. See you later, guys.